0: It's the second cup of Joe and John with Joe Elvis and John Dwyer.
1: It's the. Second it is not so that good. great and open. We wanted it. Let's not play it twice. All Jesus, we're off to a great start. Yeah. Awesome! Woo. If that is an omen to how this. Like Episode's going to go. The first hole of golf, I felt so good till that double bogey on one. You, you, uh, you had an eight, but I gave you. You could only take a seven on a par four, so that's that's what we did. Hey, welcome. Stop, stop it. I, I will say this. It's, uh, Joe, uh, you and I uh, and our guest, um, we all have parents with good genes. We've been very fortunate, right? And I would say, and I like the phrase from Satchel Page. he said, one time, how old are you if you didn't know how old you were? So most days I wake up and, you know, I'm 59, you're 59. I mean, we're almost, you know, just a few weeks apart. Our guest is a little younger than that, but, but clearly shows his age. Um, <laughs> but what, what I feel every bit of 59 today, dude, Uh It just, you know, sore back. And I just feel like I'm Breaking down sometimes. Our guest comes in with Benadryl. I've got my CBD oil, Uh -uh. which is legal now. Any ailments with you? Do you feel your age most of the time? You sit
2: a lot for your job. I, mean, I you fear have. every next step. <laughs> <laughs> okay. because You see the guy or something that's posted where they step wrong and now they're a compound fracture in their ankle uh, or you miss one step. Uh, at this age, this is a horrible discussion, but you got to take a fall. Like I try to stay in shape and I'm not that good in shape, but. If you take a fall, you got to be able to get back up. Yeah,
1: and it's or it's a reminder just or, to just be. Oh my! Do a systems God, check. The Jeff something. Fisher thing, systems like you said. Do I like a, that? How do you begin your day? I do a systems check. I kind of like we were there.
2: So I saw I saw you bending over to pick up that cup of coffee, and and you're back. You tweaked a little bit. Yeah, is that from your running? You think.
1: I think I think CrossFit has been a wonderful, wonderful thing for chiropractors. Mm-hmm. you know, right. I mean, it's kept them in business. Um, our guest is the is a person that got me and my wife involved in CrossFit. We saw them at an, an event. I don't know, nine, ten years ago. God, has it been that long? It has. 2013. And Lindley and I are going. Hey, you guys look. I mean, we're not going to get weird, but you guys look great. What are you doing? And they were doing CrossFit. Now, but you got to, you got to temper it back. You got to, you know, you're just not as young as you used to be. And you just, you have to, they call it scaling and you got to scale on it, man. I'm just, you know, i got nothing to prove. Do you have to, do you have to put 155 pounds over your head anymore? No, not really. You're not, you're not on the tarmac putting the luggage away.
2: Well, until you Are see you? that 155, and you're feeling good that day, and you go, "I'm going to do it." Oh, I got it's this. the competitive edge. I think that's in this room right now. A lot, that we lot all, of tests, a lot of going they say, on. They, they say scales not failed. That well, see, there's always there's always <laughs> that guy in the back. Saying something like that. And then you get your old competitive ways going and you do something. And now you've got a shoulder injury for the next six months. Actually, I lugged a bag. We do a ton of New York, Miami flying. And so when the snowbirds go to Florida, they're hauling half their house. Yeah. And it's not carry on, right? It's the biggest suitcase you see now in those sleek new designs. They look like uh, equipment cases almost. And I hauled one up and I felt it, bam, right in my shoulder. And usually that stuff's not hard for me. And I'm still dragging it around a year later. Uh, so I, I just think it's a good comment almost in this discussion that you kind of got a temper, that little competitive edge. Where being competitive doesn't mean you're also a jackass too. You, you, you got know, you have to because you gotta. I remember last time at your house, I heard Lindley. She, she was aching. That sh- shoulder was bothering her yeah. quite a bit. It, it, how's that working out?
1: The whole reason we started this podcast was to be uplifting and motivational and inspirational. Here's and now our problem. Here we are. Just I'm Old a people. Debbie Downer right now. We're gonna, We're gonna have to move on right now to this. Hey, we know people.
0: Let's take a spin through Joe and John's Rolodex.
1: F O B, friends uh, of Ben. Uh, F O B. You think your Rolodex is good? Big you six think degrees. Mine is good. Big six degrees. Our guest today, Ben Handback. Ben, welcome. Thank you guys for having me. It's great to be here. He's been stunned by the fine commentary of the first seven <laughs> I thought, minutes going, what? I'm sorry. why I to, I did to, I come for this? I had
3: to chime in there on this. Uh, scales not failed. Sorry. <laughs> how, come, how come every other show
2: sound better? <laughs>
1: <laughs> ben is the managing director and market leader of Aon Tennessee. That is a multinational financial service firm. But... People in this area, if you've been around for 20, 25 years, if you've dealt with philanthropy, if you've dealt with the music, uh, you've been around this guy, you just don't know it. But he is so well-connected, has some really interesting stories. Wrote a book uh, almost 10 years ago about basic business practices. He was a Tennessean columnist, business columnist to, um, give people just life lessons, which I think is great. Um, he has, uh, been an entrepreneur, started his own business. Um, he's done it. He's done it all in this town and done it very, very well and adore him and Brittany and your two kids. And, uh, I think people, even if they don't know you, Ben, which is, you know, where have you been? Um, I think people will, will enjoy the next 45 minutes. No pressure down
3: and nothing whatsoever. That's I'm <laughs> humbled and honored at that introduction. Thank you very much.
2: And so we're back bringing Ben into this workout conversation. <laughs> I see you and your wife all the time. You guys are a team workout, which is just fantastic. How long you've been married?
3: Uh, wow. You're going to put this on me here. Uh, I got to be the math. 30, 32 years.
2: See, so that's, uh, that's, that's, that's okay to say, well, was Sorry, We just celebrated 31. 31. <laughs> that's, that's fine. You're in the ballpark. <laughs> uh, talk, talk about that in your marriage. Uh, it's just great. Just with physical fitness that you got to do something, you got to move around uh, every day. Your body tanks a little bit more, but, uh, you two as a couple working out has been, had to have been great for your ma- uh, marriage. And also motivational to your kids to just get everybody moving around.
3: Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it has been great. And, and ever since we were married, we, we both played sports in you know high school and college, and so it's been kind of a thread of it's been in, a, in our marriage and just our lives. So we Saturday mornings we work out, we work out after work, we work out early, and I always tell people. I am so glad that we enjoy working out together and we enjoy red wine it's <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> because it's because we reach the other yeah, exactly yeah no but it has and and we and not only that but also just obviously as we talk about the physical fitness and staying in shape and and whatnot so um, but we really do enjoy um, and especially now the kids are both we're almost empty nesters so we've been traveling to competitions on the weekend and you know we again it gives us an excuse to get out of town and do things and so it's been great.
1: It is. It is good for my. It's good. It's accountability too. Yeah. It's Lindley and I do that. To to, you know, you get up and you are like, I don't feel like you want to sleep in. No, let's not sleep in. Right. That kind of thing. So no,
2: hundred percent accountability. And workouts, they don't have to be. Your guys is elevated a bit uh, with the CrossFit stuff, but it does not have to be that way. You could just have your early morning walk. You do your walk. You do whatever. Your push ups. Your setups. You'll you'll gravitate probably to maybe a more strict regimen or whatever you want to do. But it is the act of movement. Uh, it, that kind of gets infectious, doesn't it? It
3: does. And you know, the, one of the things that I learned quickly is, especially as we get older is, is you can't be like, John and I've talked about this. You can't look over your shoulder, right? You can't look and see what the person next to you.
1: You can't, it might hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When
3: I think you, you talked about the injuries and things people yeah. get, no matter what the sport is, people get injured because they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. Right. So I think if you keep it within your, with your, your boundaries and your guidelines, especially as you age, I think it's uh, so,
2: so were you doing some squats running the stairs uh, that gave you that limp this morning?
3: Uh, no, no, this was
1: softball,
2: <laughs> and, and the product of that and came and, from taxes. And, and a wasp sport. sting. Yeah. A
1: wasp, it was a wasp sting. kegs over there. Yeah. You got the music blaring. Yeah, right. What could go was, wrong? Yeah. It was a wasp sting. Yeah, not, no, not not oh my god. god. Yeah, so Jim started a softball team.
3: So the past two Sundays we've been playing softball, or uh, well, not Labor Day, but yeah. So how's that
1: days. going? Good, good, Great. good. Yeah, just sounds sounds like. Yeah, hey, I, I want to get into your book, and and it's called yep. Never Leave the Locker Room of the Super Bowl, and it's one of the better stories. You'll ever hear, but Ben has kind of these these vignettes of, of of life lessons, and and we'll talk about that. I do have to tell you about the biting off more than you can chew in in CrossFit. Uh, we got involved with a a four team co-ed uh, CrossFit competition in Birmingham, and the long story short, there are three categories, and and Ben was <clears throat> very smart and signed us up for the expert. No. You know, oh yeah, the RX, <laughs> and 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 Lindley and I are just into this. And the weights you have to, I'm not going to get into the weeds about this, but the weights were way too heavy for me. There were 72 teams signed up. We came in 51st. And I don't know how poor those other 19, who lost to us? And you had to carry everything because be, you have to split 15 uh, hang cleans and it's 135 pounds. Well, I didn't realize I've never done that in my life. And so I get one up. And guess who has to do the other 14?
2: <laughs> yeah, Ben was excited about I'm not having sure, us there. Not even sure what a hang clean is. I know. Well, it's, it's a terminology. Yeah. We
3: do you We did. I, I remember it. And, and um, I do remember, too, we had a wonderful dinner that evening. <laughs> At one of the finer restaurants. At one of the nicer restaurants in Birmingham. I remember yeah. that. But they don't make was a, foam, a, long day.
1: a foam finger for like 51st plate. Yeah. It, it was awful. All right, let's get into the story about um, th- the title of this book. And yeah. I know it's well worn to you. Yeah. But I think it's a it's one of the great lessons about just and and now more than it's more relevant now than ever because I often say instant gratification takes too long you know everybody's looking for that next thing yep. so tell me the story
3: yeah so uh, the, the the quick story the story the quick story is is that so we were at Super Bowl thirty and um, big group of us big we would always go out um, to the Super Bowl but it happened to be the Phoenix Open. And the Super Bowl. So we were out for Super Bowl 30, went to the last day of the Phoenix Open and at the Super Bowl. And my buddy, um, matter of fact, I was just texting him this morning because we're in the Fantasy Football League together. His name's Steve McSweeney, and he had a printing company up in Chicago. And so he had an all access pass from the year before, from Super Bowl 29. And he basically printed up 20. All access passes. He for broke the, the law. He broke the law. So there's a, there's a little bit of illegality. <laughs> now remember, this is pre nine 11 there's lots of, yeah. this is going way back. Pre cell phones, pre, pre, uh, you were being creative. Pre, he was, he was being creative. So <clears throat> we're about an hour before kickoff and some of us have tickets and some of us don't. And so he passes out these passes to everybody, right? Before the hologram. That's also right part here, of the story yeah. too. Yeah. He passes out this, uh, uh, the passes to everybody. And so we're all we've all got, and that's the cover of the book. It's that's the actual fake pass. I mean, it looks as real as can be. <laughs> well, we also discover that they had just started putting holograms on the tickets. So we run, we run to the, the merch tent and we buy hats and sweatshirts, and we're peeling off the, the hologram on the merchandise and put it on the back of the ticket to make it look <laughs> as real as possible. Now remember, there's no there's no bar, desperate. there's no barcodes, no nothing. So 20 of us go into the stadium. There were about four or five that actually used the all access pass to get into the stadium because they didn't actually have a ticket. And so we get in. I was with my friend Brian Donnelly, and we're we we all, you know, we were all scattered out across the stadium. You know, it was Dallas, Pittsburgh. I don't know if that game was a monumental game, right? Well, a huge comeback.
1: Neil O'Donnell, Neil O'Donnell you know. Larry uh, Brown's two interceptions, and yeah. and uh, and the Cowboys beat beat the beat Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers in nineteen ninety six, right? Yeah.
3: Very
1: good. Yeah. No, so I knew you guys I knew you guys Very would know that good. as a
3: sportscaster. Uh, So we're the game's over. And so Brian and I are like, hey, let's let's see how far we can go with these passes. And so we get down to the to the field and the guy's like, hey, you're not allowed there. We show him the pass. Hey, it's all access. He lets us down. Now we're down on the field. So we are down with the celebration. Uh, Jerry Jones, the Cowboys, everybody's cheering. We're watching some of the presentation things that's on TV. And we, everybody starts heading to the locker room. And so Brian and I are like, you know, kind of shrug our shoulders like, let's go. Let's see how far we can go with this pass. So, <laughs> so we follow the team in. He got in the
1: shower. He got in the team shower <laughs> no, I was with Michael Irvin. I was, no. uh, yeah. so, so I will
3: on. say there's a couple of great stories so as we're walking in. So Jerry Jones, the Jerry Jones and Michael Irvin are having some banter back and forth as we're walking back to the locker room. I'll never, I'll never forget this. So Michael Irvin yells at Jerry Jones and says, how big are those Super Bowl rings going to be? Jerry and Jerry says, the size of hubcaps, Michael. The size of hubcaps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just certain things that are just so ingrained. And you get, it was. And, and you <laughs> At gotta, the time. Yeah, and you gotta think about this. We didn't have iPhones. I didn't have a Kodak, Kodak box camera. I mean, I've got that fake pass and everything between my ears, basically, for that, that from that moment. So we get into the locker room. Um, I ran track and ran against Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is standing there. I tap him on the shoulder and shake his hand say, congratulations.
1: Do you remember me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Do I remember <laughs> no, you? No. I he, don't even know if <laughs> <laughs> you have what no.
3: My coach said I had the best view of the race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got
1: to see everybody finish first. <laughs> yeah, you, did. Yeah, you did. Deion Sanders doesn't, remember, yeah, yeah. Deion
3: doesn't, he doesn't uh, <laughs> remember me. Yeah, doesn't remember me. So we get in the locker room. I mean, Talk to jennifer i think it's jennifer montana joe's wife is i think it's oh, jennifer, yeah, dad, jennifer right, yeah. montana we're staying she's standing
1: shave cream
3: she's st- she's standing there the craziest what? encounter is so we're kind of standing there and kind of feeling a little out of sorts and david robinson is there the general right mm-hmm. and, it, and we're like what is he doing there and he's holding the vince lombardi trophy and so we're all kind of standing there and he's around in the locker room and he looks over at us he goes you guys want to hold it for a second holding the, holding the Vince Lombardi trophy.
1: Unbelievable. You get tons of pictures of, no, you've got nothing. We've got nothing. It's yeah. all, it's all there. Yeah. So out of all the,
3: uh, of the 20 guys, there were about five or six of us that actually made it into the locker room. Right. And we're trying to be, you know, cool. And Your everything. attrition rate is not good, but you got right. in. Yeah, we got in. So, so now things are kind of starting to sell down a little bit. And we said, you know, were like, all right, let's, what's next? Yeah. What's next? We, so we, so we leave, we, we actually leave. Right. So we're, 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 we're there's this exit. We go down this tunnel. And we're walking down this tunnel, and there's Leslie Visser interviewing Troy Aikman, right? And so we 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 stood there and watched her finish up her interview. I'm assuming it was for the CBS or with a network that was covering the the Super Bowl. Troy turns to us and, hey, guys, (laughs) the Super Bowl winning quarterback. We're like, hey, we shook Troy's hand. Congratulations. I mean, he's just, you know, he's in his cleats. He's super tall. I just remember looking up at Troy Aikman, shaking his hand. So then we walk out. Next thing you know, we're in the parking lot of Sun Devil, Sun Devil Stadium.
1: Now, Sun Devil <laughs> Stadium w- was a dump. It was. And, it was a very and dump. So, camp. so if you're in the bowels or if you're in the stadium, there's really there's nothing pretty about it. You all of a sudden you are where the trash is everywhere. Yeah, and you have this epiphany, right? That says what? We all no.
3: The the four of us look at each other and like, what have we just done? We're like, we just left the locker room of the Super Bowl. <laughs> the the the. the the point in time and the moment and forget the location that people strive to all their lives. And we had snuck in there and we walked yeah, and we walk, and we walked out. <laughs> we walked out. And so we spent the next thirty minutes walking around the stadium trying to find people, just shaking our heads saying, What the hell did we just do?
1: There's no infrastructure kind of around that. I mean, there's not I, I don't if I recall right, it, oh, it, a it, parking yeah. lot with a chain link fence
3: just yeah. out, you know, you got nothing. Around,
1: yeah, nothing. Yeah. So, so lesson is you never leave the locker
3: room of the Super Bowl. So for several years, remember, that was, I don't know, what was that, 86, right? So, 96. 96, aren't 96. So, so it became, you know, any time that we were having a great time or any time that, you know, people would say, hey, let, let's, let's get out of here and go somewhere else or whatever. Let's do this. Or let's do that. It just became this phrase and this saying is, again, yeah, you don't leave the locker room of the Super Bowl, right? And then it just over time became a metaphor for me and my friends and my family as just enjoying the present moment. I mean, at the end of the day, right? It's it's a metaphor for, <laughs> we know what the story, now you know what the story is, right? But it's just a metaphor for, you just don't leave the locker room of the Super Bowl. I mean, and I can tell you, um, I think we said it when we were in Napa Valley. Uh, we were, John and Lindley and Brittany and I were up on this beautiful hill, enjoying the, the, the craziest of sunset views, wonderful wine. I think it was Contessa that we were at. And John looks over and says, this is the locker room of the Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> we, we didn't go down to some souvenir
3: shop. Right, yeah, in right. The, it's like Dapa. you soak up those we moments, just, right? And I mean, there's, you know, you can, you can, it could can be something as stupid as just being over at your friend's house on a Friday night, enjoying, enjoying your, you know, your company of your friends, or it could be a wedding or, you know, an event, whatever. But there's just so many special moments. And I think we're just in the society where it's like, what's the next thing? And where are we going next? And, you know, people are looking over your shoulder and, and it's just like i don't think people enjoy the present moment enough and i think that's 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 what it is it's the metaphor just for being present and enjoying enjoying
2: And part of the disconnect on the bigger picture is you didn't have this thing and I'm holding up my phone. Right. That would have been so absorbed and, oh my gosh, now look at this post. Now look at this post. Uh, You were living in every moment. And uh, below the title of Never Leave the Locker Room of the Super Bowl is a collection of articles on relations and leadership. So with your sons, my sons in the 20s, I'm telling them too that you are an army of one. You know, never doubt your talent that, you can, you have what it takes to get in that room. Maybe somebody's Super Bowl is in a finance or in medical or whatever whatever job they're in. Uh, great stories in here, Ben. Maybe but, talk but, about some of of what you push of never doubt yourself. You can be in the locker room of a Super Bowl. Yeah,
3: no, and no, that's a great point, and, and we're we're constantly trying to by example or just push that with our kids, and, and you know, so proud of you know everybody, your kids. I mean, they're, everybody's doing so good, and um, you know, the one thing I think that. I've tried to instill or just at least a couple things is, is number one, I I mentioned, I talk about how life is a relationship network, right? You never know at any point in time who or when or how you meet someone will impact your life moving forward. And I, and I can use John as an example. We met through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, right? We became very, very close friends and now I'm sitting here with you with this podcast, right? But we met through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, right? I and fell
1: asleep in your first board meeting. You in the board chair. <laughs> yeah. I was working mornings and I literally, I fell asleep and I thought, well, this is, he's not, this is not going to go well for me. I'm a rookie board member and here I am. I mean, out. yeah, I was just, I was, I was out. So thank you for not remembering that. Yeah.
3: And so, so to, to your point is that, you know, so to me, life is a relationship network. And so when you meet someone, and you, you can invest time in that individual and you know and stay in touch with that individual over time. You just never know where those relationships will pop up over the course of time, over the course of your relationship. So that's what I'm always trying to talk to the kids about is you know, whether it's a job interview or whether it's something you're doing with your friends, it's like you just keep you, you know, you gotta keep keep a good stronghold and and keep keep a, a tight network with uh, of, of folks. <laughs>
0: Common sense would tell you not to look to Joe and John for this, but time for life lessons from Joe and John.
2: <laughs> I'm going to steal one out of his book.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, if we don't play that little stinger, we'll never get to it because everything with Ben is about
2: life lessons. So. This, this book, Never Leave the Locker Room or the Super Bowl, is a life lesson. One of my favorite is Smile Through the Phone. Yep. Smile Through the Phone. And I think we can all, and you listening now, can sit there and go, oh, I can tell that person's not smiling when they're talking to me right now. Great point.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The and, and it's, it's. I'm in the insurance world or financial arena and, you know, customer service, I think customer service 101, right? And so you can just tell when you're talking to somebody on the phone, whether they're having a good day, bad day. You know, I was dealing with a hotel chain. I'm not to, to remain unnamed, but you could just tell the difference in how they were trained on the phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just night and day. And you could tell this, this young woman on the phone was trained properly smiling through the phone. It, it, it changed my day, right? Cause yeah. I'm like, what a, what a refreshing phone conversation to hang up and have, have someone that's like, Mr. Handback, do you need anything else? What well, was my pleasure to serve you today? Right. And so I think it's just, you know, it goes back to attitude too, right? You, you choose your attitude, right? Every, you know, people say, well, I'm in a bad mood. Well, you chose to be in a bad mood, right? Cause it's, they always say that you know life's eighty percent, you know, twenty percent what happens to you, and eighty percent how you react, right? So,
1: so, so the book it, it came from a collection of articles with the Tennessee. How did that come about? And and you've you've kind of forged your way to be this this kind of mentor leader. Uh, and by the way, I, I give this out to our JTG specialists. Um, there's nothing in here like, oh my God, you just cracked a code, Ben. Right. All you did is put it in a very concise kind of vignette way. Um, so how did that, how did that come about? Yeah, no, it's
3: um, Why you? No, it's a great story. And you're, and you're right. It's like, if you read any business book, you probably know 75% of what's in the business book. Right. They're all kind of regurgitate some of the same principles and the same things. But it, I always tell people, if you could pull two or three kernels or three or four kernels out of there that, that you, you ingrain, I just read a book. And instead of talking about uh, habits he talks about rituals right and so if you can just make that your ritual in your daily ha- your daily life or your you know your habits it, it can change the way you do business and whatnot but but the book came about so I wrote an article for the National Business Journal and at the time the editor was Lance Williams and um, you know he he would ask me to write maybe one or two articles once a year twice a year well then he went over and became the business editor at the Tennesseean
1: relationships,
3: it, relationships. Yeah. Oh yeah. Once again, stayed in touch with Lance. Lance is a great, great guy. And, um, so one of the things when he took over the business section at the Tennessean was it, there, the goal was to have more local content, right? Cause you, you kind of flip through and it's AP ads and things like that. And it's, you know, stuff that they've, you know, business stories and stock prices and all that. And he wanted the back page of the business section on Sundays have local content. So he, he tagged, there was about four or five of us that had a, an article, that we, that was, that appeared monthly. Mm-hmm. And it started out as, Hey, you want to write two or three articles?
1: <laughs> You're it, cheap hire too, by the way. Oh that. yeah. yeah.
3: Right. I'm, I didn't even get 99 cents a word. That was the going rate at the time. <laughs> 99, cents 99 cents a word. Right. So, <laughs> so I, my articles are like six, six fifty words, you know, each, each chapter. So that'd be like 650 bucks. I didn't get <laughs> that. So yeah, I was, um, I got the, I got the, uh, the I, the, I got the PR at the time I owned my insurance agency and it was just, I would, I, people would stop me. Hey, I saw your article. Hey, I love that article. Hey, thank you so much, whatever. And so we did that. It ran for 36 months, so for three years, from 2013 to 2016. And then um, and then the, you probably, well, I don't know who purchased the Tennessean, but the the, the paper was purchased. and get it. get it? Get it, yep. And they just completely wiped out local content. Sure so, they did. You know, so um, it just became back, went kind of went back now. If you pull the business section, it's just the, it's the AP articles that they just pull from the different press, you know, the news sources or news news outlets and, you know, stock prices kind of back to the way it was before. So, but so I, th- I mean, I credit Lance for that opportunity. And then one of the things I tried to do was I always tried to stay three articles ahead. So I never wanted to be sitting there on a... Wednesday night when my deadline was Thursday for Sunday and be trying to pound out something. So I always try to stay three articles ahead.
1: (laughs) How'd that go? No, yeah. I never never got... The cab went down really well. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
3: there's... uh, Ernest Hemingway said, write drunk, edit sober. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I'd get... Yeah, I'd have a couple of glasses of wine and not drunk, but I'd have a couple of glasses of wine. I'd get my... um, I'd come up with an idea. I'd pound out some notes and then I'd finish it. That's great. Yeah. So...
2: Talk about how this led into you give a lot of time to make a wish, as John alluded to, fall asleep in the book. Oh, that's funny. What a funny story. What a tacky. Uh, I, last time I saw you, I think, was downtown at the Hilton uh, you're singing with Jonathan Cain from Journey. <laughs> as uh, Jonathan Cain, we've, we talked with Kevin McCutcheon from an earlier show that yeah. was heavy to make, make a wish. Love talk, Kevin. talk about how you got into make a wish and uh, just some of your stories from what are amazing stories. Like, no, he, he, you rose it from ashes
1: because this thing was as good as dead. Uh, it, it, and then you had to start the chapter. No. The, yeah. And
3: in, it's interesting. I'm, I'm at, I'm 53 and I, I feel like there's been some Times just over the past couple of years, and some of it's been COVID, whatever, where we start to look back on things and, you know, kind of the what ifs and what, what keeps you up at night and what if this didn't happen. And so, um, you know, great story. I, well, first of all, I was just interviewed or highlighted by my university, the University of Memphis, as an alumni spotlight. And so, so the, the gentleman down in Memphis was interviewing me and it gave university me University of Memphis. University of Memphis, Memphis State when I was there.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But it gave me a chance to reflect on some different things. And one of the things that I mentioned was um, when I was a senior at, at Memphis, I was part of this leadership class and it was uh, Dean Hampton, Dean Clarence Hampton. And there was about 12 of us. And in our leadership class, we just basically kept a journal th- th- throughout the week. And then we would talk about our week. We'd He'd give us a topic, whether it was, you know, it could have been community service or whatever. But one of the, one of the topics in our leadership class that we had to write about was just, how do you want to be remembered? Right, it's kind of like, you know, hey, cause you're in college, right? you look forward 40 years, like, how do you want That's to be a remembered? What deep. I, it is a little deep. I mean. Yeah. Well, no. And I didn't, you know, it's, I don't want to You know, you're, you're kind of connecting the dots. Yeah. Right. And so, so Brittany and I uh, moved up to Nashville in 1998. I started traveling here in 94 had gotten to uh, know the make a wish foundation volunteer. Brittany was a wish grantor. I played in the John De- Daly golf tournaments down there that he would host for the, the mid South chapter. And so when we moved up here and put roots down in, in, in Nashville, you know, we said, we want to, this is, we want to be involved in Make-A-Wish. And we quickly found out there wasn't a chapter. And so there was, there was only two or three areas of the country that didn't have Make-A-Wish chapters. And so if there was a wish in middle Tennessee, it was handled by Atlanta or, you know, up in Kentucky or down in Memphis. And so there was a grassroots organization called Dream Makers. Uh, We got involved in that. And then with, within a couple years, Make-A-Wish had made the announcement that, you know, hey, we're going to be starting a Middle Tennessee chapter. And so, yeah. you know, fast forward, I, one of the things I did was I just – I helped merge the, the Dream Makers grassroots organization here with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. There was about half the board that didn't want to get on board with it. Mm-hmm. They felt it was corporate and too big. And the other half, you know, realized that, hey, with this organization, we can grant more wishes. We have more access to celebrities. We have access to different resources that a grassroots organization wouldn't have. And so, um, and then what's crazy is, Fast forward, <laughs> fast forward. What is it? Twenty? 20 we just had our twentieth anniversary, right? I mean, twenty-second anniversary. So yeah, right.
1: yeah. That and and you know, it was finding uh, raising funds was was difficult. Difficult. Yeah, uh, we were on you know double secret probation with yeah. with Nash. budget, that, yeah. borrowing money from mom and dad. Had no idea, but yeah, yeah you put. But you loaded it with uh, FOBs a little bit, and, yeah. and 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 so you grounded through that. I think that. Uh, what a, what a great, uh, you know, there's a lot of great organizations and, and, uh, I, I'd like to think I'm part of one heading up one to help, you know, kids you are, graduate yep. and all that, but, but it's, it's, it's an easy cause to, uh, to get involved with. Yeah.
3: Well, um, and you had mentioned just quick, you'd mentioned advice to the kids and things like that. So back to that, you, you, you kick things off with the FOB, but I got some of the best, I, I like to use the word experience sharing versus advice because advice is kind of me to you telling you what to do. Right. We we use the word experience or the phrase experience sharing because I'm going to share my experience and you can choose whether you use it or not, right? And I like that much better than advice. But um, a friend of mine, Jim Hunt, at the time he was in the insurance business. He was the he was the CEO or ch- board chair of God, the I zoo. Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, and he was the he was the board chair of the zoo. I went. I was 32 years old. I'm the chair of the Make a Wish Foundation. I was missed a meeting and i was, all of a sudden became board chair. <laughs>
1: That's that's kind of what happens. Yeah, or fall asleep in a meeting, or fall asleep. And you fall and you fall <laughs> up.
2: Yeah, John, we want to talk to you about something. What yeah. first to go to the bathroom is now CEO. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> right. or, or as my just, da- my daughter said the other day she was voluntold to do something. <laughs>
2: <Voluntold>. <laughs> I,
3: yeah, she goes. I was Excellent. voluntold. So so no, I went to Jim and I just said, I go, hey, I need some, I need some advice, and he he gave me two of the best pieces of advice that I've I've gotten as far as just you know with nonprofits he said first of all he goes you need fobs and i go what are fobs he goes friends of men mm-hmm. he goes you have to surround yourself with people that you can trust and that will give you transparent honest feedback and also um that that you can go to when it, you know cuz because it's you know you, you, there's going to be tough times right the second thing he said was and it just i always remember this cuz i chuckle cuz he was the board chair of the zoo is he said he goes i just raised a million dollars for a giraffe exhibit and he goes, can you, imma- can you imagine what you could raise for kids that are fighting life-threatening illnesses, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's right. like, I mean, there's money to be. F- yeah. yeah he goes, so his point was, it's like, well, and his point was put
3: always put your always put your mission first, right? Like with JTG, put the kids first, and the, and the difference it makes in the <laughs> school. And he's like, and so I, I just I look back at that, and it's, that that was, and, and I do that in my business now. When I when I whether I'm no matter what I'm doing, I, I surround myself with people that I that I can trust and that will give me feedback. It'll be completely transparent and honest with me. And then that I can go to if, if you know, if the shit hits the fan, if things and, get
1: tough. And it was a great exhibit. The, uh, the, the giraffe, he had, he, he had a, he had a condo. Uh, he, he was in a smoking jacket. Uh, he had a, he had a, a round bed that, that rotated. Uh, he was fed you know
2: caviar. It was, it was a hell of an exhibit. Yeah. Giraffe, giraffe, giraffe. Yeah talk oh, yeah. about uh, Ben you've yeah. you've made a wish come true when it comes to your family uh you adopted a Russian child yep. talk about that story how that came about oh man and this how, is how uh 911 played into that
3: yeah no it's it's funny because it, it you know obviously we just 911 just it was just in the rearview mirror yeah. the 21st anniversary of it and um you know we Brittany and I have been so blessed in in our lives and you know great parents you just mentioned and, earlier and so one of the struggles one of the speed bumps the things you don't you don't script for when you when you get married is is that we were just we had struggles we struggled having children and so I'll never forget it was a very poignant uh, moment we were we were in the uh, a doctor's office and he was looking at us and he said do you guys want to get pregnant or do you want to have children and, and you know and he was basically saying you know you know, do you want to have a baby or do you want to be parents? Right. And he goes, because I'll keep taking your money, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and we can go down this fertility path, but we tried and, and he says, but he goes, I would open, be open to adoption if I were the two of you. And again, not, not telling us what to do. So we did some soul searching and whatnot. And, um, you know, this is about the time we were moving to Nashville. And so, um, we started the adoption process. Again, talking about relationships, my college roommates' best friend in Tampa ran an adoption agency. So again, a connect touch point where we were we put were put in touch with him, and um, and so I'm going to fast forward this very quickly. As we adopted our son um, in 1999 and flew over to Russia, and um, we were what's crazy is with all the stuff that's going on right now with the war in Russia, and and, and is that he, he was born right there on the Black Sea in Rostov-on-Don. So every time they show the map. Of what's going oh, on goodness. in Ukraine, no. right? I, I mean, I literally sit there and I see that you know, that they're, you see his hometown, see his hometown, right? And then fast forward to two thousand and one, um, we uh, we we flew over on September eighth, two thousand and one, to get our daughter Bella, and so we we went through the process. The, the funny thing is, or not the funny, but the ironic thing is, is, it takes about at that time it took about nine months to to complete the adoption process, which is normal pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. So we start that process. Mm-hmm left on September 8th um, I'll never forget we land in we land in Siberia right so and so 9/11 took place while we were in the air so we we were flying from Moscow I'm sorry from Fr- uh, Charles de Gaulle to Siberia and 9-11 took place while we were in the air. So we had no idea what was
1: So there. you land
3: and see what? So we land well we land and we see snow. <laughs> we're in Siberia. And, <laughs> and, not, anything not, and not
1: anything else. Not
3: anything else. No, we speak no, no one, and when we're, we're in Siberia, no one speaks any English. We finally get our translator, and our translator tells us that um, a bomb went off in New York. That's what that's all we knew. So for almost for, for almost half a day, we go to the we go to the orphanage, we meet our daughter for the first time. We get uh, groceries, supplies. We go back to this apartment where we're gonna, which is gonna be our home for the next week. And um, we call our mom. We call my parents, our parents, to you know tell them the good news. We're here. And my, you know, I'll never forget this. My, you know, they were like, "Do you have any idea what's happened in the United States? We've been so worried about you because they hadn't heard from us." And so it was, you know, lots of tears, tears of joy, tears of you know just absolute sadness and what had taken place in, in the United States. And we still truly didn't have. Um, just the, the impact of what a realization of the impact of what had taken place until we got almost a few days later, got back to Moscow and then we could see, see CNN and see this, the, the you know, obviously the stories and things that had taken place. So, so when, you know, when we think about nine first thing we think about is, you know, um, when, as you mentioned, just as we were over in Russia getting our daughter,
2: what was the first thought when you met your daughter? You said we, we came to meet our daughter, Yeah. you walk in, you see her, she sees you that had to be quite a moment.
3: Yeah. Well, and so it, what's back then we would get the VHS S, S tapes. So we would have, we had two or three different VHS tapes over probably, she, where she was three months old, six months old, oh. whatever. So we would, you know, Friday night, we'd open a bottle of wine and we'd pop the VHS tape oh, in and watch, watch the same tape over and over oh. and over. So the first thing was, you know, just like we, had just seen, we, hadn't, see, well, we hadn't seen her in three months, you know, for a video sure. of her like in two or three months. So we we're like, oh my gosh, she's grown, right? And with my son, they had told us that he couldn't crawl. Right? That's the nurses were saying. No, oh, he can't crawl. Well, of course he's crawling all over the all over place. place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has to yeah. stop crawling. Yeah, and he's done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that that was probably the biggest thing is just all of a sudden, no matter we we've seen her and we've seen her stats and her all you know, that, but then all of a sudden you're seeing him in person and it's like how much they'd changed from the video, you know. So.
2: And their son, like a good Russian, good hockey player. He too. was a good. He was a good hockey player. Yeah.
1: Great, great kids. We move on.
0: Joe and John have come to The Fork in the Road.
1: So we like to talk about uh, times that in your life, and it could be uh, as a young man, or it could be something happened that last week, Ben, but uh, something in your life because of one thing changed or pivoted you, it could be a career move, it could be uh, a financial situation that went really well or didn't, or whatever. What would be your fork in the road if you had to reflect on that one pivot point? And we have many. Oh yeah,
3: there's a ton. So my uh, my brother gave my dad. I don't know if you guys have heard of Storyworth. Have you heard of that? Yeah. No. So it's 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 basically a gift where you get it's a it's an annual subscription, and I have heard of these. and 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 the individual the individual writes stories and creates memories every week. So basically, you have 52 stories. And then it's actually put into a hardbound book at the end of the year. Terrific! It's a great gift for a, for a father, a grandfather, or you know, a parent or f- a special friend. So my dad's doing these story worth uh, things, and we we get the, the story, so we get to read the story, and we also get to uh, change the questions around if we want to, <laughs> so we can have him answer questions that we want to. We want him to, to to answer, and so one of the things that he just wrote about was just growing up and and all the change his job brought our family. So I was sharing with you earlier, you know, I went to two different elementary schools, two different junior highs and two different high schools. So my fork in the road was I was a sophomore in high school in Minneapolis. I was playing, you know, on the baseball team, I had a girlfriend, all that, and then my dad's job uprooted us right in the middle of high school. And I'll never forget when he told us I was I was ready to stay up there, live with another family, just so pissed that his job, again, had uprooted us. And we were moving to Memphis, Tennessee, right? And you want to talk about a fork in the road. It was, it was a decision that I didn't really have a choice in, right? But if I could go back, I wouldn't change it for anything, right? Because I wound up, you know, wound up playing high school sports, running track.
1: Met Brittany in, in college. I, in
3: Memphis. Yeah, I mean, you start going, you start doing the what ifs, right? That fork in the road of my dad's job changing us and moving us to Memphis, you know, just changed everything, right? I wouldn't be sitting here. So, and then you just, you know, there's all the you know, there's tons of forks in the road, like you said. Right. But that one was the probably one that, that, um, by force, I didn't want to come to Memphis. I was ready to stay up there. Cause you know, you think about where you are in high school, right? You're just ingrained yeah. with <clears throat> your relationships and, and then just to be uprooted again. And, you know, and it was, and I, he, he writes, my dad writes in the, in the art or the story. About he how he
1: wanted you to stay up there. I <laughs> <Probably> <laughs> dad, I
3: did not know. <laughs> no, he write. he write. it was kind of, <laughs> I brought tears to my eyes a little bit. <laughs> he, he, he wrote how difficult it was for them, for that, that, that decision, right? To uproot us again.
1: And I bet, was, I bet you don't, you didn't know that he thought about it as yeah. much as he has. Right. Right. right? Which yeah. is kind of cool. And that's the whole process.
2: All three of us have that exact same story of we never, ever thought we would be in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. And boom, here we go. And here we are. Yeah. Nope. Rapid, 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 rapid rapid, fire, rapid, rapid,
0: rapid, rapid, rapid rapid fire.
1: fire, (laughs) Very mature. Ben goes, what what video arcade did I just walk into? <laughs> we like uh questions just off the cuff. First thing you think about, Joe, you're up. You love the music? Favorite album. Oh, I I can why don't you just ask me? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Joshua Tree. Yeah, Trades. Joshua. Tree, You too. <laughs> How many times have you seen you too? Oh
3: my gosh. I don't you know what? We we tried to put a number on it because someone asked us this the other day. And um, I mean, we're we're I know this, we're north of thirty. And we're south of sixty there you with U two, yeah. S- and I had S- had the chance to to meet the band um, back in
1: 2017. Shocking which was, that which, you got to meet Bono yeah, and it was, it was a it was a yeah, you It was met. probably
3: Ever leave the U two locker room. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh no, we didn't leave. We didn't. I was. They had to drag us out, <laughs> out, out of that out green room. <laughs> I think a restraining order was, was filed. Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Talk, what like, was that experience like? Great band, great people. Well, can I can I tell yeah, the story? Yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah. so so. I think you guys. No, don't. No. <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. Yeah. No, well, no, you said ahead. rapid fire, so... Um, What's your f- there's, there's nothing sleep. rapid about this. No, this is a great story. And um, so I'm, I, I think you know, both know I'm friends with Dirk Spentley, and he's a big U2 fan <sighs> as well. And get this phone call from him on a Tuesday, and, or actually it was a text message. Hey, what are you and Brittany doing on Thursday? And I'm like, well, we're here. He goes, well, stay tuned. So next thing, he goes, hey, um, meet us at John C. Toon Airport, you know? And I started, and the wheels started turning, and I started mm-hmm. Googling, figuring out what was going on. And so um we meet him out at the John C 2 airport uh jump on jet fly down to New Orleans and u is playing at the uh, Superdome and so in my wildest dreams did I ever think we were going to meet the band and so we watch the opening act and then he grabs Brittany he goes come on let's go back we're going back here and I'm thinking we're going back to a green room just to This is Dirks? This is Dirks okay. yeah so Dirks Gr- Dirks and his wife and <gasps> another couple and Brittany and I and so we go back to the this green room and we're having drinks and everything and um and so all of a sudden the curtain opens and then here comes you two. They walk in and we're back there in it, also in the room. The band Hanson. I don't know if you remember Hanson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They that,
1: like, they, were there two of them or no? There's three. Or, three, brothers. Three, three brothers. they're, they're, they're yes. there. Two of them and are really Randy, good.
3: Randy Gerber, who uh, Cindy Crawford's uh, husband, who started uh, Casamigos Tequila with George Clooney, he's standing there. So just kind of a random group of people in New Orleans, and the band walks in. And I mean, I'm I'm rarely starstruck. I mean, I just you know, do you see all people in Nashville all the time? Mm-hmm. And Dirks looks over. He's like, "Ben, breathe. You gotta breathe. Just breathe." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Are you kidding me?" And so, I mean, we stood there and had a conversation with Bono and the Edge, and um, and then th- obviously we got to see the show, which was just amazing, right? And. Um, Bono actually sang during "Beautiful Day," sang a lyric from "Drunk on a Plane," which, which was just oh, because he knew Dirks was there, which right. was unbelievable. And then it got better because we he, we finish up the show and they throw us in these vans and we get a police escort to the after party. So we're at the after party at this place called Muriel's down in um and uh, Bur- on Bourbon Street, and uh, got to go to the after party. So yeah, so. Favorite album into one, probably one of the coolest experiences.
1: Well, and Dirk's was behind that, and oh, yeah. in, in, in part because he's read your book that says you know under promise over deliver. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah,
3: it was it was a special special day. I would, yeah, kind of pinch yourself. That's so. good.
1: What's a pet peeve of yours? Well, I've got I've got several, <laughs> <Okay>.
3: <laughs> but but, but <laughs> since I've since we started traveling again, and you'll Joe, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Being a pilot is my uh, just recently just every flight we've been on. We traveled a bunch this summer. Is people jumping up and rushing down the aisle to get off the plane. I'm like, where do you think you're going? And then you see these people at baggage claim, right? And I'm like, so you were in such a hurry to get down here and wait for your bags. Because you know how you you exit, there's a proper way to exit a plane. You know this. And these people that just don't fly that often, just they get up and they start rushing down the middle of the the aisle. And it's like, what in the world?
2: Uh, Airports are a freak show of personal... Uh, weirdness. Well, every crazy trait come out Uh, getting on the planes, the opposite. You'll notice if you fly Southwest, it's open seating. They'll come in and they just grab the immediate seat that they can. Like I've got to be up at the front. Right. They don't really know why they, it's not like, well, I want to be right next to the exit door where actually the best is just to go to the back of the plane. You got all the room in the world.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, in, 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 I write about in the book about situational awareness, right? It's the, it, the airports are full of the lack of situational awareness, right? I mean, they are people are on their phones. They're looking down. They're not paying attention. They're cutting in front of people, but that's my latest pet peeve. I. I yeah, but.
2: Okay. So let's talk, uh, you guys, both of you hard about Nashville. What's one, uh, what's a go everywhere I travel. Everyone wants to come to Nashville. Oh, yeah. like, give me a hotel and give me a restaurant. What's your favorite restaurant right now?
3: Oh wow, that's that's a great question. Um, so ish yeah, you know no no it's you know, pop, pop, you're a foodie yeah we've been it's it's expensive right so it's not for everybody and it's it's also a little it's a little frou-frou-ish as we say but we've been to uh, sean brock's the continental now three times mm-hmm. and it's been absolutely wonderful all right yeah it, i don't know if you guys have been but the prime no. rib
1: is prime char- rib sandwich when you sit at the counter is what what, what i've I, i've been there once i've not had the sandwich yet but but oh. yeah and i'm not huge on prime rib but no. it, it's very good
3: yeah no it, it's been that's it's been really, really good. Um, and then hotel, that's a tough one. Cause we, I mean, the problem right now is we didn't, you know, we don't stay in the hotels, but I've been telling people like the Bobby hotel and the dream, um, and the Noel, we've got some folks that are coming in town for Christmas and they do those igloos on top of the, the Bobby hotel, which yeah. is kind of cool. So we, we, that's, those are the three, cause it puts you also puts you right downtown.
2: Which one uh, has the bus on the roof? That's the Bobby. Is that the Bobby? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to steal Joe's. Yeah. Yeah. What would you tell your 18-year-old self, knowing what you know now, living decades past that? What would be the advice you would give your, oh, besides staying in yeah. Minnesota? But yeah. we've, already, we've already been through that story. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, that's that's a great question. I
3: mean, I think that self-reflection and everything that we've been talking about has been kind of front of, you know, top of mind the past uh, past few years with COVID and everything. You know, you know, outside of, you know, stock prices and investing, I'd probably, this is going to be a little embarrassing, but I probably would have told him to save a little bit more. You know, Mm -hmm. I spent, I spent more money on cars. I know you're a car guy, John. I have no
1: idea what you're talking about.
3: (laughs) 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 That car dealership, (laughs) South Bend. I would probably say spend, spend less money on cars is probably what I would say.
1: I don't yeah. even want to know you anymore. Yeah, I know. You know. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. I just, when I first started my career, it was like I had to have the new car. I was leasing cars. You know, I had the new Acura when it came out mm-hmm. and all that. And I, um, I just got rid of my 2003 BMW that I bought off a friend, Mike Smith, back in '09, And mm-hmm. I drove that forever. I drove it till the wheels fell off. So.
2: That's the way to go. Yeah. Keep them till they I know. drop. Yeah. Uh, a final question with yeah. that, maybe I've lost track. No, go ahead. No, uh, Best no. tip, best tip for being a dad. That's always a good one. Yeah. Let's wow. see.
1: Let's see. Uh, let's see what Ben comes up with. Yeah, that's tough. Um,
3: so I, I, I read a book. Someone gave this book to me. It was called Business Dad. And if you haven't read it, if you you know, if you, I, I would I would experience share it for someone that, that you know that's just got kids, right? So, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm guilty of this a lot, but one of the things that, that they talk about in business dad is, is <clears throat> if your, if your biggest client walked into the room, right? Would you start rifling through the mail, right? Um, not paying attention to them and, you know, do, and, you know, going, walking away and doing, doing things, go off, go off and leave your biggest client. Right. And so the, 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 the lesson is, is that when you get home from work, right, and, the ki- and this is more when the kids are, you know, knee high and whatnot, but still to this day, it's like when you walk in from work and the kids are like, hey, dad, 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 do you go over and you rifle through the mail and not pay attention to them, right? Would you do that to your, your, your biggest client? So it was, the lesson is more treat your kids like your, your best client, right? And so even if you have to get home from work, and this, this goes for spouses too, but even if you have to go get home from work, go back, shut the door, decompress change clothes, whatever, and come out and be ready to be present and, and be there for those kids. Right. And I was, I'm guilty of it as, 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 anybody else. Cause you have a stressful day and you come home or, or you're busy, you're trying to get to do, get somewhere else. But yeah, I would say probably try and treat your, try and treat your kids at, at, for the most part,
1: like your, like your biggest client.
3: You gotta wear shades.
1: All right. So we like to end on a day brightener need words of advice, things. Um, and we didn't really get through this, although I know that working, um, not working, but being in touch with creative ways to get through COVID. We did that with kind of a group of friends. Didn't we meet on Sundays, zoom and all that. Now I'm sure you're zoomed out, but, um, uh, you know, when, when the world's going to the hell in a handbasket and politically and economically and all those things, um, what, 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 what makes you, not what keeps you up at night, but what inspires you? That, that is a great question. And I'm going to answer
3: this somewhat broadly, but I mentioned this, I talk about this in my book and I, I'm going to mess up the author's name or the quote, but it's Ben has y- Yeah, oh, no, Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, you mean nothing. this Never quote is
2: leave okay. the locker
3: room. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and this constantly keeps me moving forward is I, th- I think, you know, I think I talk about the success to happiness or just being happy is you have to have something to do. You have to have someone to love. And you have to have something to look forward to. And so, and and think about that. It's the idle hands. you got to be busy doing something, right? Whether it's work or, you know, a hobby or whatever. you got to have someone to love, whether it's, you know, it could be boyfriend, girlfriend, family, parent, whatever. And I think truly the secret, I mean, for me, happiness is I always have to have something to look forward to, right? And it could be something as silly as, hey, I can't wait for Friday night because we're going to make homemade pizza, or I can't wait for October, um, because we're going to be down. We know that we're going to be going to this wine festival.
1: You do travel a little bit.
3: We travel a little bit, but it's also just, it's having these little milestones, you know, out whether it's three weeks, six weeks, three months, and just have something to look forward to. And I think that keeps me going. So.
2: Hope. That's what that equals. Yeah. If you add those things up. You got to have hope. Ben,
1: you've been uh, a great uh, mentor, uh, a friend. Uh, you, you You never disappoint. You always seem to have the right... Tone and tenor, uh, no matter what event that we're part of, uh, you're a planner. You you do want to create memories, I think. Um, I like to say, uh, the best things in life aren't things, you know. And so oh, I love that. Uh, you know, you want to create the memories because now we're at the age now that uh, you know the nice cars and uh, well, you still have to have a nice car. <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> but but we appreciate you being here on Second Cup of Joe. And John It's
0: the second cup of Joe. And John, as their guests expound on any and all topics within the realm of decency, want to be a sponsor? Let a TV and radio guy help build your business. Email the show second cup of Joe and John at gmail.com. Now hold on tight and grab another second cup of Joe and John.